So yeah, I can do a recording locally. Everybody would like to indulge me with a clap here. Okay. The the only thing I'll point out, Tim, about yours, and maybe this isn't true for everyone, but it's also like cutting off bits of your words just a little bit, like when you start talking. Oh yeah, because the this, I mean, basically you're hearing me talking through an Apple AirPods Pro microphone right. beamed in. It it has a little noise uh, uh, attack on it where it cuts in and out. Where it has like a noise okay. gate, so at the ends of sentences it might cut me off. So just try to uh, try to imagine what my final syllable is going to be. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> and know know that the recording will sound solid because I have a different microphone for the recording. Yeah. Here, I'm gonna let me start my recording. My recording is started. You wanna do three, two, one. Hello, and welcome back to Insert Credit, the only show on the internet in which we weekly deliver the loudest news, reviews, tips, and tricks fresh dripped hot from the bottom of video games themselves. In each of our ten wild segments, we have six minutes to puncture your eardrums with the sick truth. If we can't reach a conclusive consensus within the time limit, listeners and participants alike suffer the buzzer. And now, your host, Alex Jaffe. Jaffe, Jaffe. this can go down and in both of them you insert credit this is a digitally recorded and distributed program where we discuss the medium and industry of video games six minutes at a time i'm alex jaffe and the game i own which i feel guiltiest about not starting yet right now is super mario odyssey oh boy um, jump around and talk to people yeah, that's true. That's a, that's a hangout, jump around, talk to people game. Uh, my name is Frank Cifaldi, and I feel no guilt about not playing video games. Uh, my my name is Tim Rogers, and I love owning video games that I've never played because that means I can I can just relax, kick back, and think. If I ever feel like it, I got all those video games. I just bought 30, 33 new games on the Steam sale. Had to call my bank twice because they thought uh, it was fraud. <laughs> and uh, I, I'm loving every minute of not playing Assassin's this guy Creed Origins. Video games? <laughs> I got Assassin's Creed Origins on my PC now. I already had it on my Xbox, but now I've got it on my PC someday. I'll play it. Not guilty. Well, I'm Brandon Sheffield, and I guess the game I feel guiltiest about not playing is Disco Elysium. I have played it for about 45 minutes and determined that it was very excellent and that I was upset with those people for having it be their first game. It's very distressing. Um, <laughs> it's their first game. Uh, and I guess I feel guilty for not continuing to play it. And the primary reason, of course, being that it is on PC and I do not want to hook my laptop up to my television. Oh, you got to get a PC. Um, I know that we have discussed this many times, but, um, you know, eventually I'll get around to it. 
Um, I'm going to backtrack just a second uh, here and, and realize I, I do have one, which is uh, Hypnospace Outlaw, which I backed mm. on Kickstarter and which I feel like Jay could probably use uh, some some cool people like me uh, tweeting about how great this game is. And I just have not even installed it you, yet. I'm you know, sorry. same same for me. I despite helping out on the on the Kickstarter text, I actually rewrote the Kickstarter text to be all clever and whatever. And I own perhaps possibly because I own the AOL disc style physical release that they made that that Mm -hmm. just looks like, um, like one of those AOL mailers. I haven't played it because at first I, my excuse was I was waiting to get a disc drive because, you know, most people don't have those anymore, but then I did like a year ago (laughs) and I still haven't played it. So oops. Whoops. I I won last week's episode, so I'm going to go ahead and ask. Thank you. I still feel really good about it. I'm going to go ahead and ask the first question. All right. This question is uh, video game news related. Oh, Andy McNamara stepped down this week as editor in chief of Game Informer after 29 years. What legacy does he leave behind? I'll tell you what legacy he leaves behind is uh, he took me to have a delicious hamburger and uh, a a veggie burger and some delicious tater tots when I was in Minneapolis, Minnesota a couple years back. That's the that's my legacy. <laughs> we had a delicious meal, me and him. So I, I have also had delicious meals with Andy McNamara. Did they involve so tater I, tots? I up in this pool. Um, actually, yeah, we went to a, we walked to a place near the office that was kind of a food courty area is that where you went for tater tots no we went to some sit downy kind of restaurant okay but it, it was a it involved a drive oh wait wait, wait was it a hot plate maybe i don't know it might anyway. have been hot plate yeah because I, I i have spent seven weeks in minneapolis within the last three years so I, I know a lot of the food there well i have to say you know i've never had a specific meal with him because I've only. Oh, you should probably just stop talking. I've only, <laughs> no, no, I've, I've got a way to to bring this back around because. Oh, okay. I, you know, I've seen him at a bunch of trade shows, and we're we're always eating these crappy things at various events. But there's one specific event. I believe it was Dice, maybe two, three years ago, where there were tater tots, and we did both eat tater tots together while having a conversation. So in a way. <laughs> tater tots tater tots man in a way tater tots, tater tots. uh brandon um, have you ever been to minneapolis i have never been to minneapolis there's a you, there's a, a lot more states in that region that i have not been to than i have i would say first i mean first of all minnesota land of ten thousand lakes where else are you going to get that many lakes first of all right i've been to michigan where, they got a couple they don't have as many as god darn minnesota Ten thousand, man yeah that's a lot of lakes fair number they literally if you're ever there, check out the Bryant Lake Bowl uh, Bowling Alley restaurant where they have mock duck pot stickers, which is the official food of Minneapolis, apparently. I did that. It's pot stickers made of mock duck. Uh, they were very good. I don't know. That's the end of my story about my favorite thing in Minneapolis. Well, I think that Andy McNamara, it's pretty amazing that he uh, has existed for 29 years in one job of any kind. And yeah, yeah of any the fact that he did yeah. it in a in a video game magazine means that he's he's covered just about everything that you could cover. Yeah. Uh, well, I, I talked about this on Twitter briefly, but I mean, 29 years at one magazine. Th- there is not a U.S. publication that has lasted 29 years, period, other than Game Informer. Uh, I don't other than Famitsu. I don't think anything you, you mean has in, in the world. 
Yeah, sorry, yeah. sorry. In video, there there's been no video game publication that has ever lasted as long as he ha- he was at this right. one. And and again, I think Famitsu might be the only one that beats uh, Game Informer at all. And I don't, I have no idea what the staff continuity is there. I believe Famitsu has had some staff. They they've got a. Uh, if I know a Japanese company, they they're gonna have some old dudes who've been there since the beginning. There's gonna at I least one dude who's been there since day one. Just kind of chilling. Yeah, he's like production editor or something. Smoking a really long like, cigarette, like a two-foot yeah, long right. cigarette. Uh, I, I mean, Andy's Andy's first review, well, in the first issue, you know, he, he reviewed an NES game at the start of his career. Amazing. And ended with Cyberpunk. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Absolutely incredible. My, my question is, couldn't he make it 30 years? Come on. Yeah. Yeah, right yeah. 29. Come on. I'm kidding. I actually was just looking at Twitter. I just went to his Twitter. And uh, Matthew Cato, senior editor at Game Informer, just quit, uh, announced he's quitting eight minutes ago. Oh. So Uh-oh. while we oh, were wow. talking about this, uh, the, another another high up person at Game Informer has quit. What's happening over there? Uh, looks like. Uh, what do you mean what's happening? <laughs> do you know who their parent company is? <laughs> I believe, I believe the public, the gaming public has been at this point sufficiently informed. And in the, <laughs> must be it. in the spirit of the information age, they have decided that they don't care about information. They care about speculation. So Game Speculator is going <laughs> right to around the corner. pop up. And, oh uh, my god, that's such a good 90s sounding <laughs> uh, publication. Like, that could have worked back then. Okay. Maybe that's Andy McNamara's next job. Maybe oh, that might be it in LA. Game yeah. speculator. Game spec. <laughs> game spec. Maybe, maybe Steve Harris at EGM hired him <laughs> in LA. Um, Steve Lamborghini so, Harris. Yeah. Right. I, I, I think Game Informer is a really interesting product in that. Oh, it's somebody else is leaving Game Informer as well uh, 14 really? minutes Who? ago. Sorry, I'm going to stop reading Game Informer quit tweets. Whoa. So, <laughs> looks like we might have stumbled upon our own game speculation here. Wow. Anyway, right. res- resume what you were saying. Um, yeah, yeah. So I think Game Informer is a really interesting product because it's it's uh, I think it's justification for existing. Uh, this is owned by the GameStop Corporation for mm-hmm. for listeners who aren't aware of that. I think the entire justification for Game Informer existing is that it's a magazine that tells people what to buy from GameStop. Um, right, yeah. But it's much better and different than that. And in fact, there's a lot of digital only games and things like that. So I I think it's kind of an odd product for what it is but it's also a product that because it's tied to the shop and their rewards program has seven million subscribers and i think almost four of them are print so there's four million of these print video game things that go out to like engaged video game players i get one every month yeah and that's that that's the highest circulation of like almost anything i think it's like number three in the country yeah. or something well, like that yeah it- Andy McNamara was telling me that while we were having tater tots. He was like, did you know this is the number three biggest uh, magazine? Like, that rules, dude. Yeah. So it sounds like what we can really say is that Andy McNamara left behind a legacy of tater tots. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, God. (laughs) If you're ever in Minneapolis, have as many tater tots as you can. They're the best. They're good. It's it's the Question number two. And if you want burgers in Minneapolis, hit me up. I I know all the spots. Oh, yeah. Question two. How important is video game box art? Oh, today? Today? Uh, today or ever. Well, very I important think, today, I think, I think. Ever. Yeah, I mean, I don't know. I think it's great. 
here's here's a little anecdote. It wasn't a quality I question. <laughs> I think it's important. I think it's important. Uh, here's a little weird anecdote, which is like right now the the equivalent of box art for digital games is the sort of digital banner thing that you get. Yeah, I just yeah. opened up my Switch so that I can scroll through and bring this up. So, right. Yeah. And, and so something interesting that happened with uh, Gunhouse, our game that we put out, we put it on. Uh, it, it was on PlayStation Plus, and for reasons that we could not for a long time determine, it was incredibly popular in Brazil, uh, Brazil and oh. Uruguay. Like twenty-one percent of all downloads uh, came from there, and so it was. It was like United States, Brazil, United Kingdom, Canada, kind of like that, and um, that's unusual. And so I was asking around for people and trying to figure out why this happened. Oh, and by the way, when we put it on steam, Brazil was immediately 25% of sales once again. And so what we wound (laughs) up determining is that people really liked the art. They liked the little marquee that we put up with Gunhouse, And it's likely because they grew up watching the same cartoons that our artist Juan Ramirez grew up watching when he grew up in Mexico Mm. and his, his influences, they looked at that and they were like, heck yeah, that's the stuff I like. So that is pretty cool. Uh, and, and an example of why that even that digital box art is important and it can be important in the opposite direction, like that forever entertainment company that is always putting out like something that this has this amazing lush looking illustrated marquee. I don't know what to call these things. And then you look at the game itself and it has absolutely nothing to do with it. You know what I like? I like uh, when you launch like a PlayStation, uh, a Final Fantasy VII remake did a real good job of this. When you launch uh, the the game and there's the splash, the pre-loading splash that comes mm-hmm. up like they, I, we, we've all uploaded a game to the PlayStation network uh, for distribution mm-hmm. before. You know, that sure. there's, there's this giant PNG file you're supposed to upload that's a massive resolution just to as your your image, your splash image that comes up before the game loads. I like those images. And the Final Fantasy VII Remake had a real good one that's just Cloud looking out at the... Uh, it's a big, giant 4K image of him looking at the Shinra Tower with his sword on his back. That's kind of the... That's also... There are lots of box arts now in the uh, in the modern era, is what I'm saying. There's the, there's the app icon. There's that big splash screen. But uh, I remember a story on Kotaku back when I was working at Kotaku. There was... Uh, Fans of games get angry if they don't like the the the, the icon image for a game, mm-hmm. and they'll like mass email the developer like, "Can you change it?" I don't remember which one it was because I well, I wasn't paying attention, but a uh, a bunch of people tweeted at the developer until they changed the app icon on the Nintendo Switch because they just didn't like the way it looks. There's like an etiquette to a Switch app icon, like you have to have the whole name of the game on there. Where the fans get angry. I'm scrolling through my apps trying to find one that that looks wildly bad, and I can't find one. So maybe everybody's learned. Brandon, do you have any of those like uh, hamster arcade archives games on your Switch? I've got some of those, and those look real bad. Yeah, Whenever I launch one, and then I, I I bring my I go back to my home menu and I see it. I'm like, ah oh, man, I don't like that. I don't want that thing on there anymore. It just feels cheap. Yeah, but what I was gonna say is like as as a person who enjoys owning physical products 
for a variety of reasons. Usually I try to only stick to, you know, one copy of the game. I'm not going to have it in multiple regions or something. But on occasion, because a cover is real nice, I'll have both. Like Bullet Witch, I like the Japanese cover of that game. And so, you know, it's not taking up a lot of space in my library, so I'm I'm keeping it. And uh, as a as a physical object, a cover can be very important. And sometimes reverse covers are real nice. Like uh, I remember when Project of Eden came out on the 360. Project Eden is that what it's called? You know that uh that Res like game. You know? Yeah, yeah, I think that's yeah, right. Okay. Project Eden. Um, yeah. I really didn't like the main cover at all, and it kind of made it look sort of cheap and connect e you know because uh, i think in, initially it was supposed to be connect oriented maybe it still has that as an option but uh the reverse cover just made it seem like okay well I, at least i can hang out with this cover i don't know i think they're i think they're good it's also interesting to see the idea of cover design coming back with a limited run no matter what you may think of them they have to we're getting modern game covers from people that would never have been able to do it before because these are 2000 print run copies of things. And so you can get a little more experimental and do weird stuff. Oh, I just thought of another thing. Sorry. I'm, I'm taking all, all everybody's time, but <laughs> oh, right. it was steam yeah. world dig too, by the way, that was the, that was the, <laughs> the switch game that everyone got extremely oh, yeah. irate at the developers. I linked it in the, it's a Kotaku story. People yelled. Here's a more personal question. All right. Who's someone in the video game industry that you wish you made a better first impression on? Brandon's going to say Mark Cerny, probably, because <laughs> Mark Cerny uh, can hate you. There's, there's a lot of a lot of people out there that I probably should have made better first impressions on. There was a I don't think it matters that much ultimately in my life, but there was I, I met someone working on the uh, The Last of Us who had also worked on Uncharted. Stuff and is- I was talking about Uncharted 4. And how I didn't like the shooting and how I was never going to play The Last of Us because of all those sound effects and whatever. And I feel like (laughs) (laughs) that guy, he probably didn't need to hear any of that stuff. So it's not like I I wish I had made a better impression on him. It's like it probably would have been better for me to just shut my mouth versus spew everything that I thought at him. You know, (laughs) probably didn't help anybody. Right. Well, and his audio spewing everything at you was the problem, was. so you should have learned. It was, yeah, I should have. I don't know, man. Like, I, 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 I'm not feeling a lot of regret <laughs> right now, I guess, because much like that other question, I'm like, I don't know. I don't care if they don't like me. I guess oh, this one isn't yeah. re- regret, but, like, I wish I had made a s- strong enough impression on Naoto Oshima that I would not have to reintroduce myself to him every time I meet him. <laughs> oh, man, I remember we met him the same day that we met Toshihiro Nagoshi the first time. Oh, yeah, that's right. Yeah, I mean, I don't know if that was your first time meeting Naoto Oshima. I think it was. Yeah, yeah I think it, it was, too. I think it was, yeah. And But he's he's like, every time I'm like, yeah, um, I've interviewed you. Uh, we've had a lot of conversations and once I also moderated a panel that was just you and Yasuhara at GDC (laughs) and he's like, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. (laughs) You know? (laughs) It's more like every time you meet him, you get a new chance to make a first impression. I suppose so. That's, that's a nice way of looking at it. Yeah. That's how you should look at it. I, I don't have anything specific, but, um, 
I do regret that there are no mega rich video game people who really like oh, me. Yeah. Right. Because fundraising is uh, very difficult for a charity that's trying to employ people. So I don't know. Someone, someone, someone really high up at a company that maybe I interviewed. Maybe I should have made them really, really like me. Well, that would be good. So that's the closest I got. I don't know about Tim? me. Uh, I don't know. I've met a bunch of these people in the video game industry. I don't know. I feel like every time I ever met somebody in the video game industry, they offered me a job. <laughs> so you <laughs> got no weird. problems with first impressions. Well, I don't know about first impressions. I have a, I have a decent, I don't know how, but I have a decent track record for making first impressions on people if I want to. But I know that me and Brandon were, uh, we, we did a bunch of nonsense at the <laughs> Tokyo Game Show before. We kind of probably made a bunch of people think we're freaks or weirdos. Oh, we definitely did. Like, I, I made a bad first impression on Hideo Kojima, I think, but ultimately me and him, I, I ended up interviewing him like six times. Like, I don't know. Like, I feel like the first time I saw Hideo Kojima, I like yelled at my buddy. I'm like, dude, it's Hideo Kojima, dude. <laughs> and he just looked at me like I was some sort of scrub. I wanted to get my buddy to take a picture of me with him. Then I don't think he remembered me when I eventually uh, emailed him about setting up an interview. Thank goodness. I managed to, via subterfuge, obtain his email address. Did I ever tell this story? I, I, I threw, threw some tactical espionage, obtained his email address, and just cold emailed him. It was pretty good. I was like, can I interview you? And he, he just goes, yeah. And I was like, man, is this even the right email address? And it turned out it was. Wow. So, so whatever you think Hideo Kojima's email address is, it's probably that. No, no. it's uh, It was... Uh, it was it was more complicated than you might think. It wasn't like Hideo.Kojima at Konami.co.jp. That w wasn't it. Tim, was that it was, was that during the time when Konami's emails were like part of a um, word and then a long number string? Because that yeah, was wow. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. It was Nintendo's like that. Nintendo's great. It was a uh, yeah, completely wild. They don't want you figuring out their email address. You ever get a cell phone in Japan? Well, okay, maybe not everybody here is a signed up for a contract cell phone in Japan. I don't so when you when you when you get a cell phone in Japan in the in the mid two thousands, if you're ever going to Japan in the mid two thousands, you end up with an email address that's like eighty five million letters long. Then you can change it very easily, but only once, right? Yeah. But then all your friends will change their email addresses to something that's monstrously like uh, like a hundred letters long. You get up to thirty two letters, and most of my friends, talking punk rockers, anti establishment types ended up with just 32 letter email addresses they're filling the 32 characters they're like oh you don't want somebody to guess your email address that would be that would be dangerous it's like like oh okay uh, that's weird mine was just 108 at easyweb.ne.jp people are like how did you get such a short email address i'm like oh i just signed up for it they're like oh but i mean okay but also isn't that dangerous <laughs> guess it. and it's like no nah, nobody ever guessed it i would just tell people it made it easy for me to email you whenever i came back to japan that's for sure yeah wasn't that great uh, was. man i was i was such a helpful guy over there that's why i made such a good first impression i'm sure yeah, i left that's... a real bad first impression on somebody <laughs> i thought we left a bad first impression on nagoshi oh we when did, we did the, the ryuga gotoku uh the the don quixote thing but then years later i met him he didn't. It turns out you do get a second chance to make a first impression if the person wasn't paying attention the yes. first time. Because uh, <laughs> Nagoshi likes me now, apparently. Nice. Me and him are real friends now. I emailed him. So he emailed I guess back. the key, 
I guess the key to making a good first impression is that if you make a bad one, they might not even remember you. Yeah. Well, it turns out that if someone's really cool, they have people just making really wild, bad first impressions on them in the name of posery all the time, and you just get lost in an ocean of posers. So, turns out it might be okay. You get a second okay. chance in this life sometimes. So It's a nice little confidence builder. Mm-hmm. Here's question number four. What would make an ideal video game-themed dog toy? Uh, (laughs) I'll tell you what. I bought a Waluigi at Best Buy (laughs) uh, the day day after we got our dog, and I just gave it to him, and uh, he was still a tiny puppy, and the Waluigi was about as big as him. I have a picture of this. I'll send it on over after the show if anybody wants to look at it. I put Waluigi on his back, and it looked like Waluigi was riding him like a horse. It was really funny to me, and I got a good photo of it. But then he like picked Waluigi up by the leg within like a minute of me giving giving this Waluigi to him, and he went and like shook his head and shook the Waluigi really hard within like five seconds. And I'm like, that's my god darn money's worth right there. Yeah. But it turns out those plushies <laughs> that you buy uh, at GameStop not and whatnot, built to last. Yeah, they're not built to last. They're not built dog toy tough. So Nintendo probably doesn't want to, for the same reason that car manufacturers didn't want Gran Turismo to have a car, a realistic damage back in Gran Turismo's 1, 2, 3, and 4. They probably don't want to release official dog toys because dog toys get gross. The ones that are built to last, they still get pretty gross within a, a few hours. So... I'd love to have a Waluigi that can get chewed on, but the Waluigi that I bought him, the mustache got ripped up because he, like, ate the mustache off. So this Waluigi looks, like, alternate dimensional. He looks <laughs> he looks really, really weird. I wouldn't advise buying a flat-out video game plushie. So That's I, not the question, though. So No, I, this, this is also not exactly the question, but just this morning I saw, maybe you guys have seen this, there is a photo of a guy who is who was you know dressed as Mario for some event, so he had like a giant Mario head on. <laughs> oh and, yeah, and yeah. He's taking the Mario head that. off, and underneath he looks exactly like Mario. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <so. laughs> I did see so, this. So, something like that in dog toy form would be pretty funny to me. But he, here's what I think would work. So for for this dog we got over here, we got him a. Uh, it's base. It's a volcano that's filled with little dinosaurs. <laughs> And, okay. and it appeals to their like digging and burrowing instinct. So he'll he'll like reach in there and get all those get get all those dinosaurs out of that out of that volcano. Because w- what are they doing in there? Get them out. And I think something like that would be you know like you get you get your Super Mario uh, castle and Princess Peach and Mario and Luigi are all stuffed in there, and um, your dog's got to pull them out and shake them around. I think that would be pretty fun. Mhm. Yeah. I'm trying to think is there a game where you fight something like a giant dog, right? And and the toy then is I mean it could be like the Shadow of the Colossus guy or something, right? Uh could be the dog toy. It's it's more amusing for the owner than the dog. Oh, yeah. it's human vanity all the way. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, but that's what a I lot mean, of these dog toys are about anyway. Sure, sure. So it makes sense. So something that would fight that or or um Leon Kennedy, and maybe it's a toy where when the dog bites it, he says, "Hey, it's that dog." Yeah, yeah. I mean, you can pretend your dog is a zombie dog uh, in a in a yeah. monster closet, and then 
Yeah. I, I was just thinking a zombie would make a pretty good dog toy because if it gets all ripped up, it's supposed to look that way. That's true. Exactly. That's true. I've been thinking that it would be really fun to give my dog uh, treats that look like tiny versions of human food, similar to how, you know how you can buy, for example, gummies that are shaped like a hamburger or whatever? Sure. Uh, I feel like that would be funny to just give my dog like a micro banana or something stupid. Um, so something like the, you know, dog treats that are that are actually shaped and somewhat textured like the, you know, some, some trash turkey that you would get from Final Fight or something like that. <laughs> I know it would be very expensive, but we're, we're in fantasy land here, so I'm just going for the gold. Sure. Our budget is infinite. Yeah. Um, some uh, Mario mushrooms, you know, get some of that kind of stuff in there. I think that'd be pretty fun for me. Are there any good games where you play as a dog? Well, there's that there's that Dog's Life game. No. Um, there's that... Hmm. I said good. Yeah. I mean, it's it's good in quotation marks. Um, sure. It's, it's, it's got its charms. Yeah. Maybe they're... Does there Yoshi do- count there... as a dog? <laughs> kind of. Yeah? He's kind of a dog. Are there any dogs in Star Fox? Is Star Fox a dog? Star or Wolf. Fox's dogs? Star Wolf Star is Wolf. kind of a dog. Okay. Is there, uh, is there something uh, very definitively Star Wolf that he could wear? Oh, you mean like a little costume? Yeah, you could dress yeah. your dog up like Star Fox. I think that'd be acceptable. What about Okami? Oh, yeah, Okami. That's a dog. Oh, Okami dog. Game's right. not very good. Nah. <laughs> No offense to it. It tried. You know, I I think I would rather I think something simple, just like like a like a cloud buster sword made of real good yeah. high quality plastic that he could just made a good high quality nylon that yeah. he could chew on, get it all dinged up. Looks like a real battle hardened sword. Have you tried any something of these? Like have you tried any of these dog toys where you you stick a treat inside and it keeps them busy for a long time? You oh yeah, have... we've got one. We've got one right here on this hotel bed, right next to Bibby Babis lying on his back. Yeah, those are those are really good. You could have one of those shaped like a loot loot box. Oh wait, no, actually, I thought of something. Any Funko Pop, just because I would love yeah! to see those things get destroyed. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh my That's god. That's a good note to end on. Oh Funko uh, Pop. We're gonna go into one of my new favorite segments called Theme Sale. Theme Sale. And... Oh no. Yeah, in Theme Sale, <laughs> I run a fictional video game store where I put a number of games on sale, and you have to guess what the common denominator is between those games. Okay. All right, let's see if uh, you designed one that's uh, slightly more uh, easy to figure out this time. <laughs> we'll see. Uh, this week, the games on sale are Super Punch-Out, okay, Skies of Arcadia, Okay, SOA. Ratchet and Clank Future, A Crack in Time. Oh, God, yeah. Resonance of Fate. Uh-huh. And The Elder Scrolls V, Skyrim. Oh, crikey. Ah, uh, heck. Hmm. Uh, Ratchet and Clank Future, A Crack in Time. Elder Scrolls V, Skyrim. Resonance of Fate, Super Resonance Punch of Out. Fate, Super Punch Out. Hmm. Okay, I'm trying to think. Of, I'm I'm thinking of a bunch of things here. Like I was I was close to thinking that they were. They all had revisions because like Super Punch Out is kind of a revision of Punch Out. Not really though. Skies Not of Arcadia 100%. has a revision on GameCube. Elder Scrolls has a bunch, but I guess that doesn't. It doesn't. That's not it. Elder Scrolls has a billion remakes. Yeah. 
I don't. I'm not familiar with Resonance of Fate. Resonance of Fate is a Sega RPG by Triace that had yeah, good old Triace. It had a it had a really deep system for the um like dressing up your character, which was really cool, and it had a nice vibe to it. But the battle system was so friggin' obtuse that I got ten ten hours in because I was kind of enjoying it, the the game outside of the battle system, um. Until they were like, okay, now you actually really have to do all the things that are possible to do in the battle system. And I hit a complete wall because I couldn't figure it out. And uh, I was looking around and I found that every other person had the same problem, except for Vincent Diamante, co-founder of Vincent Credit, <laughs> who, who did know how to do it, but could not explain it to me. So Nice. Interesting. There you go. Alex Jaffe, is a Super Punch-Out the arcade game or Super Punch-Out the Super Nintendo game? Um, it is the, uh, hmm, let me, uh-oh, hmm. uh-oh, hmm, uh-oh. let me check. Oh, this is uh, It is the Super Nintendo game. So the, the okay. you checking makes me feel like that's a clue. Is that a clue? To, <laughs> you it might to be a clue. Um, excellent. Hmm. I'm having a hard time. Is it, is it that, uh, the Loch Ness monster is in each one of them? <laughs> yes. <laughs> no, that's not it this time. <laughs> okay. All right, that was my best guess. So there's not a lot to Super Punch-Out. This is the simplest game in here. Yes. So there's international cast, right? Uh-huh. Um, there's, I mean, what? There's Canadian guy. There's uh, the drunk Irish guy was in that one, I think. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't know if that applies to any of these other things. There's, there's like, special moves. Is there something special about... Moves. Uh, no. Is, I'm, I'm tr- trying to think if there's something about being able to see through your character. I'm, that's only the... Oh, wait, that is a Super Nintendo one. Yeah. Sorry, both of them. Um, I'm looking at the Wikipedia. There's a character named Dragon Chan. Uh, Skyrim's okay. about dragons. Yep. I'm, I, I'm sure there's a dragon in Resonance of Fate. Okay. It probably is in Skies 100%. of Arcadia. Ratchet and Clank, I have no idea. I didn't play that far into a Kraken time. Is there a Kraken? It's not dragons. Is there a Kraken in all of mm. them? Uh, there's not a Kraken at all. For example, a Kraken That, that would have been good. Yeah, it would have been. Well, you can think about that for next time. <laughs> <laughs> well, you've already guessed it, so i got to think of something else. God darn it. You got a trainer in Punch-Out? You have trainers in these other no. things? I actually just Probably played not. some Skyrim, like, yesterday. Yeah? Or not yesterday. Uh, whatever day it was. Who cares? Is there, is there, a, char- <laughs> is there a character creator in Super Punch-Out? No, right? No. 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 Okay. Not in Ratchet and Clank, neither. Yeah. And probably not in Skies of Arcadia. No, definitely not in that. Are you I've allowed played... to name your character? You can't do that in Ratchet and Clank. Never no. mind. Can't name your character in Skies of Arcadia, either. Oh, really? You're always Vice or whatever? He's Vice, yeah. Vice, I don't think there is any Ica. development staff in common no. here. I can't see it. No. I don't think so. No, I, they haven't all been on Nintendo systems. Because uh, Ratchet and Clank hasn't, and Resonance of Fate, I mm. also think has not. Um, they did a remaster, but I don't think it came to that to Switch. It, Maybe it uh, did. No, it's it ain't on no Switch. I would have bought it if it had come to the Switch. I know. Now, I Super Punch Out. I would have was wasn't Super Punch Out a bonus game in an EA game? Oh, like in Fight Night on the GameCube or something? Mm. Maybe that okay. would be interesting. I don't think yeah. the rest of these have been bonus games in anything, but that's still uh, it's an interesting thought there. I'm exhausting everything. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Super Punch <laughs> Out. No, I, I agree you... that coming from the Super Punch Out arena is good. W- one 
little thought I had was like, <sighs> it doesn't work, but if this were like the first, second, third, fourth, and fifth game in a series, that would make sense. But Resonance of Fate and Skies of Arcadia are both the first. The first, yeah. Right, yeah. But I feel like I feel like that is so close to correct. Like it, I mean, not correct, but so close to also fitting this. I just want to say, there's no way we can figure this out in six minutes. Yeah. <laughs> Jaffe, I'm gonna I'm gonna make. Can I make a recommendation? Don't tell us the sure. answer. Don't tell us the answer. Uh, or tell oh, us. But I want tell us, to tell us when the show is over. Let the let the listeners guess. Oh, give yeah, somebody that's a, a good prize idea. I'll if they can the guess end. it right. Right. Uh, they, they've been, they've already had a chance to guess, and they can pause. We can't pause. That's oh, true. Well, I mean, don't. Well, okay, yeah. he can do it at the you end. Could, it, I'm saying like... if you don't say the answer, then someone can guess on your forums or on Twitter or whatever, and then you can shout them out next week for getting the answer I right. It. I like that. I feel like this is too. Yeah, it's like flipping to the back of the magazine to see the uh, the upside down. This is too exciting. It's too exciting to just reveal during the show. I... <laughs> I'm too I'm too interested in this. Okay. And it'll give uh, me so, a chance to guess too. Uh but I mean, you know. So when should I reveal the I answer? I guess at the top of the at next the, show. The top of the next show you're killing me. I can't wait a week. <laughs> I feel like it's fun. It's more fun. And also you give <sighs> you can give us 1 minute to present our answers and I guarantee you none of us will have even thought about it, which will make it really <laughs> funny. <laughs> Okay, com- I am completely done as of right now thinking about this. I'm, there's all right, no I'm way we're promising myself I'm going to think of it more, think about it more, and then I'm probably not going. I'll to. give it a shot. Then yeah. I will give everyone the answer to this riddle at the top of episode 141. Sorry, nerds. Yeah, let everybody in the chat. For the time being, we're going to take a quick break. I feel like in the week between listening to this episode and the next episode. People who listen to our show will forget the question or the people who want to solve it will be able to solve it almost immediately after. Yeah. Difficult. Just uh, so I'm just going to say it at the end of the show. uh, All right. You know, I'm in a hotel room in Times Square right now. You all know that. How is it? Uh, First of all, it's wild to be in a hotel and feel like you're the only people in the whole hotel. We got this dog in here barking. I don't think anybody's going to complain. Got a little dog in a hotel room. First of all, that's real funny. We got a bunch of garbage sure. in the hall. They're like, they're, there's like a notice on the door that's like, there's no housekeeping. We can only clean the, your, uh, your room once a week. Just leave your garbage in the hall. We have this Mount Everest of garbage in the hall that no one has taken away. And then there's no other mountains of garbage in the hall. Did you see any other mountains of garbage in the hall? No. Mimsy says there's some towels on the floor in the hall at one of the doors. So it's, it's wild. There's no tourists. Just a bunch of New York locals outside. Everybody walking around with their mask in their mouth. I, that's like the new trend is to have the mask, the top of the mask between your top and bottom lip, just clasping it as you walk around. It's, uh, wow. That's not I helpful. see youths. I know. I see youths doing it. Youths are doing it uh, as though it's like trendy. To walk around like that. The youths, Jerry. The youths. <laughs> they're walking around. They're Damn walking, youths. Yeah, they're walking around like that. I mean, last year or two years ago, it was them walking around with their their uh, their Apple EarPod microphone in their mouth. Because that was the cool way to talk on the phone, was with your microphone in your mouth. 
Or, what? Uh, yeah. New York's got some weird uh, street memes. I would call them street <laughs> memes because, you know, a meme in the classical sense, not in the modern sense of a, of a picture with words on top of it. It's uh, just, there's street memes that happen in the, in the, in the youth culture. And uh, the youths are now walking around with their masks in their mouths. And it's, it's just, uh, it's bonkers. I was at 7-Eleven. I was going to get a taquito, cream cheese, and jalapeno queso, right? I know that Brandon Sheffield has probably had one of those before in hunger, desperation. I've had that. Yeah. They're, they're not bad as a stopgap measure between meals. However, when I saw that both of the ladies behind the register have their masks under their noses, I was like, I don't want to get a taquito from here. I'm not going to do it. Yeah. This place is, is definitely the worst city to be in for the coronavirus. And uh, I think we're in the worst neighborhood for it as well. We're in, well, I've, yeah. ta- I've taken a look at the map and Florida's the hot spot right now. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I can't even put my arm out the window. You guys are beating New York. You put your arm out the window, mm-hmm. you end up with the god darn coronavirus. Just riddled with it. You'll get riddled with it. Jerry. Right. I'm riddled with it. I'm like Eddie Nigma over here. Yeah. How much I'm riddled with the virus. Yeah. Eddie Nigma. Played yeah. by Paul Dano in the new movie. See that? <laughs> That's true. Paul Dano, the Book man. Him. Paul the man Dano. Book him. He got booked. He got comic booked. <laughs> comic book him, Dano. Exactly. We now return to insert credit. The time has come for our Patreon question of the week. Uh Uh-oh. If you would like to submit a Patreon question, head on over to patreon.com slash insert credit and subscribe at any level. You'll get episodes a day early and the chance to submit questions or even whole themes for a future episode. Uh, this, This question comes from Colin, who asks, what's the best example of a beloved game where the credit is mostly due to its localization for making it an enjoyable experience. That's neat. Ooh. The f- fun yeah. thought experiment. I'm going to argue, uh, wait, okay, so a game that is uh, uh, the localization. Is uh, the, the game that people only like, that it's only earned its good only reputation. Only like. Yeah. I feel because like of its localization. I want to make a controversial answer here. I think that game Lunar, the Silver Star, is pretty bad in terms of RPGs. I think it is a bad, like, sort of, I was going to say, like, trash bucket RPG. I mean, it has very little going for it. It is very, very plain and simple and bland. Yeah, I could never get into it. But I th- I couldn't either because the intro was so long. Oh yeah, there's there's that too. But I feel like uh, it had that localization that had all those jokes that got all of those uh, dudes in their mid slash late twenties working at video game magazines headquartered in states like Chicago. Wait, cities like Chicago and states like Minnesota <laughs> in the the early nineteen nineties who were obsessed with their brand new Sega CD consoles that they had that the majority of the readers didn't that they were able to build the game up well it's got a bill clinton joke in it or whatever they're able to just puff the game up to this legendary status that get decades later people are like lunar is the best rpg ever made and it's like man no it's not it's it's simple and plain man yeah i think that is a really good example because i i've been for so long wondering why 
there are people, and they all are of a very specific age group, are like, yeah, lunar lunar rules. And it's like, well, yeah. I mean, it doesn't, but uh, it's it's cool <laughs> that people like it. I mean, that's good. I, I a don't certain wanna... type of critic just loved it back yeah. in the, the 90s, and it was that kind of big brotherly critic. If you looked at the video game magazines, I know I know Frank knows his video game magazines. If you look at your video, <laughs> I'm game, surrounded by a lot that. of a lot of those video game critics. Uh, you and me, Frank, are of a similar enough age that you kind of thought of those people as like your big brother, your cool big yep. brother, right? It's like my cool yep. big brother loves Lunar for the Sega CD. Oh, he loves it. I wish he was my real big brother. Right. <laughs> I don't know that I quite had those thoughts. <laughs> but you know, I wish and, and, and the reason your cool big brother liked it is because it had it had some raunchy jokes, courtesy of Victor Ireland. You gotta love a man with the first name Victor and the last name of a country. Uh it's like Vic Ireland and his buds over at W Designs, uh they 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 pumped it up. They puffed it up with the with referentiality to uh our pop culture and i actually in a moment of curiosity i procured the lunar the silver star remake for the playstation at my uh for my playstation in uh japan and i played a little bit of the japanese version and uh it's a real it's like they poured some milk on toast if you know what i mean it's what kind <laughs> of a game it is the, the writing is just kind of i don't want to say dreary it's halfway between mundane and dreary, I would say, playing the game, the experience of playing it in Japanese. And I guess another thing is Lunar had that second release on the PlayStation in the U.S. years after Big Brotherly video game magazine critics were able to puff up its reputation. It had its second release, your chance to actually get it on a system that everybody had because it was on PlayStation now. And it was in that comically large box stuffed with plastic and cloth trinkets. Yeah. And then you were able to experience the vanilla ice cream on milk on mayonnaise on toast of a video game like localization. I do believe that's my answer. No, I think it's a good one. <laughs> there, there's some that you can say are uh, popular in quotes only because of their localizations. The ones that are like real bad. Like, but I mean, I feel like there's some truth to it. Where there's a game called uh, Chaos Wars that was by. Oh, well, I, yeah. I can't remember what the name of the company is, but they also put out um, Mobile Light Crusader or whatever it was. And um, Mobile Light Force, that's what it was. And uh, they, which which was just Castle Shikigami, but with their bad localization. Their localizations were terrible and voiced. And How do I not, get back to Tokyo? Yeah. If not for those, how do I get back to Tokyo? You cannot enter the Salmon Gate. Um, if if not for these kinds of dumb quips, that game would never have been discussed. Period. Like it just would have yeah. fallen away completely. And so the f like a good localization or an absolutely terrible one can can bring a game around from. Or I mean, the lunar localization wasn't so much good as it was aware of its audience, and its audience was yeah. people at video game magazines. Yeah, yeah. Um, I I would say that. Uh, other than really hardcore shooter fans, no one would talk about Zero Wing ever if not for the all your base. All your base are belong to right. Yeah, that's true. Mm -hmm. It's it's um, actually funny playing that the version of that game that's on the PC Engine CD, which has like lush uh, cutscenes and good voice acting and 
<laughs> like a big soundtrack and stuff and you realize that it's actually by uh toplon the the famed yeah um shooter developer and it's like wow <laughs> it's a decent game yeah, yeah. um i i also wonder all right one word and i drop the mic shenmue oh yeah <laughs> fair enough oh yeah <laughs> yeah sailors question number seven what should a luck stat do in a video game Oh, man. oh, look, Steph, it's good. It should, it should get out of my video game. No, uh, <laughs> it's, it's I, I, I have a weird thing with these stats because I, I actually think luck is pretty easy to understand because it, it's like it probably affects drop rates and critical hits and things like that. But sometimes when you've got attack and strength as stats, it's like, OK, what what am I supposed to do with this? Does strength affect attack also? What does this strength effect, if not attack? Why do I have both of these? What's like my, why do I have defense and resistance? You know, so uh, yeah, that well, that's me complaining about something unrelated to the topic. All right, I feel like if you want to see a game that handles luck real well, just look at that old Dragon Quest series. So basically, Dragon Quest games hide a lot of numbers. They, They have these mathematical formulas that are very very old and very architectural and very simple that have been around since the beginning of the series that they only very, very lightly touch upon for uh, making changes in later games. The luck stat in Dragon Quest is just uh, a simple, uh, like a basically your Dungeons and Dragons sort of saving throw. Does that make sense? Where if, if you're like affected with a, a status ailment, if an enemy uses a status ailment spell, luck will be used as a as a dice roll to determine if you just magically don't get affected by the status ailment. Luck will also have a, a say in several little hidden number things, various things. Critical it'll it can add to critical hit chance. Maybe there's a a, a coin flip going into every attack. Every time you make an attack, there's a coin flip. If it's heads, you know, just behind the scenes. If it's heads, then it makes a calculation based on your luck stat to determine if you get a critical hit. If it's tails, it doesn't. So basically, <clears> luck stats are best used in, in my opinion, in in hidden dice rolls that are gated behind some kind of a simple coin flip. I mean, I, maybe that's a little like too that. technical of an answer, but with, that's, I like the way dra- that's just the way Dragon Quest would would handle it. I think my problem with luck stats is they tend to. I don't tend to want to if 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 I can assign points, I'm not sure what I'm doing if I'm assigning points to luck, you know, like oh, exactly. I, yeah. And and that that can be good for some kinds of players and bad for other kinds of players. It's not necessarily great for me as a player because, you know, maybe I'm not doing too much stuff that d- deals with luck. Maybe I don't need saving throws and stuff like that. I actually like the way the Final Fantasy seven remake handles luck. You can do like a luck build on your character mm-hmm. you just pump everything into luck and then uh that just ups your critical hit chance there's a there's a specific weapon for cloud that uh, there's a specific weapon for everybody that is just their their luck build weapon that yeah, you can for, for maximize critical hit i did uh yeah. i i just played through bloodstained uh finally oh I, yeah that game i mean i say i played through but i i stopped before the final boss and said what am i doing and stop playing. But um, <laughs> but b- before I said that, I was you know farming for for 
what are they called shards in this one um it's the souls or whatever they always have something that you got to collect a bunch of you know i wanted to have my little familiars get stronger and stuff so i was whenever i would want to farm something and try to get a shard out of it i had a, a luck build for that where just every every article of clothing and weapon and skill that i had that added to luck i would just slap it all on there and then just switch to that build when i was trying to farm stuff you you buffed yourself with luck stuff to get the drops yeah to get the drops when you were grinding yeah i can't really decide if i think or rather i can't decide how bad i think that is like is it a little bit bad or is it really bad that i was doing that because it it feel felt like in a way an extra step to the busy work that was already busy work you know but on the, on the other hand, at least it felt like I was doing something with my luck stat. So real quick, because I probably have 10 seconds left again. So I really like the luck stat in uh, Fallout New Vegas specifically, because like the other stats in the game, having a certain uh, number of luck allows you to approach situations in ways that you couldn't otherwise. Right. Uh, I looked it up really quick. So for example, instead of you know, sort of like shooting the robots and, and, and like hunting uh, through desks and stuff, you can successfully guess a code to get uh, past a place quicker. You could successfully operate on someone's brain um, just through luck uh, in this game. And it's also uh, a, a minor stat booster for everything else. So uh, I, I kind of like that too, because it is kind of a throwaway stat in most games, but in Fallout... Um, it just kind of buffs the rest of them evenly if you put something in luck. Yeah, I like that. It it reminds me of something that we're actually thinking about doing right now in in the game we're making. Well, which, you can't tell us I about it. Tell you about. Oh, kaboom! Question number eight: Which athletic sport is the least like its video game adaptations? Oh, Ooh. <laughs> well, if we go with hockey being the most, I think basketball. You think basketball is the least? Yeah, because I think. In baseball and football and what else is there? I don't even know. But it, it, like bat, like those, those can be games about making quick decisions. Whereas basketball, I feel is more finesse. Um, and at least in the basketball games I've played, it doesn't quite feel like the same finesse as playing basketball in real life. Yeah, I could see that. I think you could say the same for uh the few ice skating games that exist, but perhaps we should discard that because there aren't enough done by large studios um, to... Well, I, I imagine every Olympic game is completely Yes, different. yes, actually, that might be the answer. <laughs> Man, track and field for the NES. Do you ever play that? <laughs> I don't yeah. know. Uh, when I play as Knuckles the Echidna at the uh, Tokyo Olympics, I feel like I'm hitting those in, points. In that retro mode or yeah. whatever. Yeah. Man, that retro mode is so ugly. It's so ugly. Yeah. When, when people came out and they were like, wow, look at this. This is exactly what I wanted. And it's just like, it, it's like a, a, a child's sticker of knuckles just slapped on top of your TV screen um, right. along with the rest of everything. It's bizarre. Yeah. It would have been everyone's favorite GeoCities sprite comic in 2000. <laughs> exactly. So I feel like football feels pretty good because mostly you're from the quarterback's perspective and it's about calling the right play and mm -hmm. observing the field and, and making yeah, a quick Yeah, you're decision. somewhere and between a quarterback and a coach. You're a coacher back. Yeah, a coacher back. I like that. Um, baseball, kind of similar. It's just about timing your swing and, and reading the pitch, right? So those two feel pretty good to me. 
hockey. I don't think I've ever played a hockey game. Really? Or or hockey in real life? Yes, really. I, I played hit the ice a bunch, and um, they throw an octopus onto the ice in that one. So that that's realistic. I guess I've played like cartoony arcadey hockey games. I've I've also played hit the ice, and I've played that uh, Niketsu one on the Famicom with the uh, with Kunio. Yeah, that's a good one. But I don't. I don't know if those count. And as we've all played games. baseball wars, and that is exactly like the uh, the the future of baseball, where everybody you, you're just robots. And the future of war. And the future of war. Yeah, it's all it's all the same. Base wars. I think hockey games definitely feel the most like the real sport. Not that I've ever played hockey, but you're just sliding around and you're just running into stuff. Then you watch. Have you ever been to a hockey game in real life? Yeah, they're just no. they're just sliding yes. around, running into stuff, nonsense. And it does sort of feel like, you know, they they definitely have positions, but there is a bit more of a free for all, <sighs> everyone for themselves kind of a vibe going on. It feels like I, I don't know that might be dismissive of hockey, but I I feel like there's a maybe I should say it in a different way. There's a greater degree of autonomy for individual players which lends itself better to a video game scenario where you're where you yourself are switching between multiple characters and controlling them individually yeah i feel like soccer is also pretty close to what soccer's like what like at least it's pretty close to watching soccer your fifa is pretty close to looking at a fifa like a real soccer game i think i want to go back to basketball for a sec because i I think real life high level like nba basketball I think the game is mostly communicating with your teammates to get into the formation that you want them to be at a moment's notice. Uh, it might be like subtle communication. That's what I suspect about basketball. I think it is a, a, a choreographed dance, and I don't think that's really something that works in a video game uh, with basketball because in my experience playing basketball games, it's about just sort of uh, you know getting the, getting the thread through the needle and then making the shot. I think basketball's probably it because basketball in real life is more of a first person shooter. And the fact that basketball does not basketball games are not universally played from a first person perspective is a little weird. There should be kind of an angry birds element to a basketball game, right? Where you're like you have to like aim the ball up and shoot it like with a gun. That's what it should be like. You have to aim the ball up and watch it watch it arc. We actually, me and Brent Porter made a prototype, God, almost 10 years ago in Unity of uh, where you're running around with a gun and you hold the button to charge up a shot and then you let go and it's what we call the basketball shot because you fire it up into the air and it actually arcs like a basket, like, like a thrown basketball and you have to hit a target from the top with it. So you have to like shoot this ball up into the air and then it arcs and comes down and lands on top of the target you're supposed to hit. And it actually felt really good, and it wasn't as hard to do as you'd think. Basketball games should feel a tiny bit more like that. I'm not even joking. So, the fact that you just press and hold a button and then let go at the right time to throw uh, to throw the to throw the ball. I don't know. It's not not basketball-y enough. This hotel yeah. room suddenly the air has come to feel like a. Uh... Did you turn the air conditioning off? It suddenly feels like we're inside of a, of a of a laundromat dryer in here. It's like blowing out this weird, like flavored air. It just dried my eyeballs off because <laughs> Mimsy touched the air conditioner. She touched it. What did you do? You added a, a degree. She added a degree, and suddenly it's like living in a sweat sock in a basketball locker room in here. I'm, I've been watching that 
Barton Fink finally. And uh, oh, Barton Fink, you've been watching it. I well, I started watching it, and <laughs> then it can... became it became too late to continue. Mm. And so, I'm gonna finish it today. I didn't mean to for it to go down like that. The old mini series style. Yeah, Barton Fink's not bad. Yeah, the, well, Barton Fink himself seems pretty bad so far, but we'll, well see how the movie goes. I think that's I think the, of all the Coen Brothers movies, that would be the least adaptable in- into a video game. Yeah, per- well, hmm, perhaps. That's yes. another question. Yeah, I, I don't know. There's a scene with a guy running through Ooh. a hallway made of fire. That's pretty video gamey. Hey, I haven't gotten that far. That's true. Actually, instead of this next question, let's talk about this. Which Coen Brothers movies would make the best <laughs> or worst video games? Okay. Um, I think uh, Inside Lewin Davis would be the best video game uh, because it would be like a 1960s style. uh, And I know No Country for Old Men is the one that everybody has has tried to make a video game out of recently. I say give it up. Give me the Inside Lewin Davis of video games where you're a folk singer in 1960s New York and you play at clubs and it's just a, a very nicely realized period PC Manhattan and uh you uh you can play at a whole bunch of clubs and there's some uh, some fist brawls and then you have to make a road trip to Chicago uh i think that's the Cone Bros video game i want do do we talk about are, are we talking about best or easiest because blood simple is probably the easiest yeah it would be a very simple the last of us clone yeah, that's um, only about three hours long. That's the point of all of these: is the games would only be about ten hours long, max. I, I would enjoy so. playing a Fargo video game because I would love to have like a an interesting mystery where I, as the player, am am somehow at a disadvantage, but but have to overcome it. I mean, the the like a deadly premonition type. Yeah, and deadly the, premonition the, with those accents. Right. Right. Yeah. Ooh. Speaking of Minnesota. <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah, those. I guess a Fargo video game would be the would be the bet the easiest one to make like an award winning hit popular video game out of Fargo, but it's not the one I would want to play the most. So I agree. I feel like but people keep I, people keep trying to make True Grit, but um, you're never going to be able to do it. Probably. I don't know yeah, what I mean, you meant by making O Brother video games that people are doing it, but the first thing I thought of was a JRPG that's kind of musical, and I like that. Yeah, we need more nice. more musical video games that that are like I, I've been reading this book um, story by Robert McKee because um, oh that old book I'm I'm going back to school as it were um, and uh, one one thing he he was talking about genre hybrids and one that he mentioned that really piqued my imagination was musical horror and like I I don't know I really like the idea of going further with musical horror and i think that to to some extent people do things like that where they try to do like mood and mood pieces like like that drive movie with with what's his name in it that i don't really like ryan gosling ryan gosling but that's like it's not really a musical it's more of like a music tone and extremity kind of piece um yeah I, i feel like you could have you could have a horror musical that wasn't funny and it would be really, really weird. I see in 2014, some people made a fake eight bitty trailer for a Big Lebowski bowling. Of course game. they did. Yeah. Yeah, obviously. What about a Hudsucker proxy for the Connect? <laughs> oh, that's good. 
Yeah, I would not you, play that. You have to Hulu. Yeah, that's pretty good. Barton fight think, twine game. I think the final <laughs> answer here is that there should be. It's kind of ridiculous that there's not a Fargo video game. Yeah, Somebody yeah. could get Agreed. on that. Especially Agreed. with that dumb TV show everybody likes. You could just write a new story that is just... Uh, uh, everybody likes that Fargo TV show that I yeah. hate a lot. I didn't, uh, I didn't I, hate it, but I didn't get that far with it. I only got two episodes in before I Oh, I felt... well, if you didn't hate it two I mean... episodes in, you might as well keep watching it. I don't know. Yeah. Uh, I, I, I hated the fact that everyone talked about how great the writing was when the dialogue felt like a nine-year-old wrote it, and I really, like, like, it felt like somebody heard of Fargo, and then wrote, the Fargo the movie is a perfect film. Certainly. Uh, uh, whether you like it or not, uh, listener, uh, if you don't like the movie Fargo, that's okay. I can understand, I can respect that, but it's just kind of a perfectly crafted film, and the TV show is not a perfectly crafted TV show. I watched all of the Fargo show, I'm, I'm chill with it, but, uh, Chris Rock is in the new one, the new season. Stars Chris Rock. Love that nice. goddamn guy. I think the the Fargo TV show is is it does a good job of being what we would classically think of as the TV show version of a movie, where it's like 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 how you might think of that in the '90s, where the TV show yeah. is less good, but it makes you remember how much you liked that movie. Yeah, yeah. I liked uh, yeah. I liked season two better than okay, but yeah, yeah. I think if you're going to do a Fargo video game, it should be like that. You, yeah. get, you, you write an original story, kind of tie If you're going to do a Fargo video game, it should be one of those augmented reality games, and uh, that would be Fargo Go. I see. Fargo Go. But, right. I, but I mean, what I want most is I want a, uh, uh, I want an Inside Lou and Davis game. There should be a Fargo game. Everybody keeps trying to make a No Country for Old Men game. That's a... That's yeah, a, or a True Grit game. Um, but I feel like they sort of think of those as in the same... In the same way, in terms of the, uh, <clears throat> like, Red Dead. I don't Redemption know necessarily 2. about a true. Did you play Red Dead Redemption Two? No. I think you should play it. If you want a video game where people talk, like, because you were saying a while back, you like the way people talk in uh, that True Grit. I do. Uh, you should. Red Dead Redemption Two has pretty excellently authentic period dialogue in it. I was very impressed. As a guy who's read about 200 books too many uh, from that era. Brandon, did you ever watch my Red Dead Redemption 1 summary video? I, I played I played Red Dead Redemption like most of the way through, halfway through. But did you, That's did not you, what he asked, did Brandon. You, did you watch my 30-minute uh, Red Dead Redemption 1 plot summary video? Oh, your summary video. No, I did not. Oh, you should it's watch good. it! It's, my, it's fun. It's my favorite thing I've ever made uh, <laughs> in terms of... Uh, any kind of video game content, I basically wrote the entire plot of Red Dead Redemption 1 as a dime western short story using only exact period authentic vocabulary. And I think it's very, very good. And it also suffices as a review of Red Dead Redemption 1. Uh, secretly, it's a review. where well, I'll, I, give it, I also, I'll give it a listen. Yeah, I mean, put it put it on your TV and watch it. If you'd be doing me a service if you did so, I'll do it. If you did so, watch it with uh, family, with friends, <laughs> with with your dog. Watch. Let's go on to question ten, shall we? Yeah, let's do that. Question ten: 
What is the New York, the California, the Nevada, and the Florida of video games? Oh, crico. Are we talking about their coronavirus numbers? Or are we talking about uh... their general vibes? Okay, Florida is dead island. Yeah. 100%. <laughs> Uh, Wait, what? What are all? Can you paste all the uh, all the all the states again, Javi? Nevada, California, New York, Nevada, and Florida. I believe he's picking states that resonate with each of us, uh, uh, but also the New York of video games is Grand Theft Auto Four, baby, because it's the American dream. Yeah, I agree with that. I mean, it it sounds like it sounds like a a cop out answer because it's a game that's in New York, but it's a New York game. Yeah. Yeah. So the Grand Theft Auto, Grand Theft Auto Five, that's the L.A. Uh, and the Grand Theft Auto San <laughs> sure. Andreas is Nevada. Florida's Dead Island, okay. <laughs> and also Grand Theft Auto Vice City. That's a cop out. I think Grand Theft Auto Four is the only one that we yeah. should we should allow. I agree. I agree. And um, it is definitely very New York. Nevada's a weird state because uh, it's basically you got Vegas down at the bottom, you got Reno sort of toward the top. And you got about seven hours of nothing in between. There's cool ghost towns there. Biggest little city in the world. Littlest big city in yeah. the world. There are ghost towns. I, I guess it, that's true. I know that Dead Rising 2 takes place in Las Vegas. And I know that Dead Rising 1 takes place in Colorado. But I would argue that Dead Rising 1 feels like the Nevada of video games. So it's it's a weird one for me because ev- everyone's... Not everyone. There there are two major experiences of Nevada. and And, well, maybe three. Two of them surround Las Vegas. One is the people that go there to go woo, spring break, etc., and go to the mm-hmm. strip. Then there's like a scrappy culture of humans that have lived there and just try to work and live and and have like kind of a real punk ethos. And then yeah. that's any small town that part, of course. Yeah. But then there's also the like frontier person kind of mentality going on that happens um, in that in that big empty area that is like the wild west still exists or whatever kind of thing. So like, I feel like repo man would be the movie <laughs> of Nevada. Um, aha. Uh-huh, yeah. And I'm not sure exactly what the game would be. Oh, I know. Uh, the video game of Nevada is desert bus. Oh yeah. Uh, the, <laughs> oh my God. The desert Nevada bus. part is, well, actually that's pretty good. If you're going by my description. Right, which is there's right. there's yeah. two points and nothing between. Yeah, that's not bad. Yeah, okay, I'm good with that. So what's California? Oh man, California is just like it's 21 states. You know, it's it's not it's yeah. not a place. Yeah, maybe maybe it's like the action action 52. Or whatever. <laughs> <laughs> all right, I like that. Um, yeah, wait, we got it right. That's all of them. That's all. Of them. Let's throw in Indiana. Yeah, Indiana. Indiana. What do we got? What, is there a game where you just grow corn? Oh wait, Farming Simulator 2017. <laughs> oh, Indiana's got a. There's actually soybean. Soybeans are the number one crop in Indiana. As you, you can learn farm when all you kinds live of in stuff Indiana. in Farming Simulator. I think Indiana's more about like outlet malls and waffle houses. Oh, you know, actually, it's probably more like um, Night in the Woods, realistically. Yeah, perhaps, uh, perhaps. Because night, night in the woods, you you like go into malls that are decaying. You you come home after your unsuccessful time away at college, and all your friends are thinking about leaving, and they're um you know you haven't changed enough, and they have, and whatever other stuff. And the is that what night in the woods is about? Yeah, yeah, it I is. Know. 
Looks like I don't really have to play that game. Then is what it sounds like. <laughs> yeah, give 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 it a try. It does. It does. Sure. It really. That's a game that really feels like someone who lived in a steel belt small town, left town and came back, and then wrote this. Yeah, interesting. So wait, Jaffe, are you just going to let me say that Dead Island is the Florida video? <laughs> yeah, I don't care. <laughs> I, I mean, what better representative of 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 Florida? Of of like, if you were proud of Florida, wouldn't you want to say that Daytona, USA, is the Florida video? No, game? I mean, my one joke about Florida and video games is that Outrun Two is the best game because you start in Miami. And have to get as far away as possible by the end of it. Very good. Um, well, Bayou Billy is also your Florida video yeah. games. Yeah. Or is that is that Florida or is that like Louisiana? I think it's uh, I think it's kind of a hodgepodge. Yeah, it's it's Florida, it's Louisiana, and Australia. Florida, right. Louisiana, Australia, you know, all your favorite states. Um, Are there any Gator there. games? There's also a a Miami Vice PS2 game that is really terrible. So, uh, oh yeah, that's true. I'd play I, that. It, it, I wouldn't say. You know, I think Dead Island being the the Florida <laughs> video games isn't that insulting because while it is full of uh, the the undead and everyone's terrible, the video game is pretty good. So, Dead Island. I'll take it. Yeah, Daytona USA would be the good one though if you uh, if you wanted to change your mind. Yeah, sure. Because that, that is that, that is a game that actually takes place in Florida. And is a beautiful, miraculous piece of pop art. What about Connect Disney World Adventures or Disneyland? Yeah, I was about to suggest that. <laughs> That's an, there's actually a lot of Florida video games. Man, Kingdom Hearts is also kind of the oh, Florida yeah. of video Kingdom games. Kingdom Hearts, yeah, that's it. Kingdom Hearts is the Florida of video <laughs> games. There you go. It's got all your Absolutely. Disneyland and also it's also yes. pretty psychedelic. Kingdom Hearts one with like the floaty Wonderland and. Uh, yeah, yeah, absolutely. And then Aladdin world feeling like you're inside of a of a shopping mall Halloween store. <laughs> yes. Uh, Kingdom Hearts 1 is the Florida of video games. Let's go well, on to our lightning Not rip. yet, because really quick, I uh, looked up yeah. the yeah. manual for the Adventures of Bayou Billy. Uh, it does not specify where the game takes place. Oh, excellent, but, excellent. But Annabelle, uh, the, the woman you're rescuing, is a former Miss Louisiana. Alright. Uh, ah. And the world. What better of... what better home for a former Miss Louisiana than, than Florida? Florida? Wait, a wait, woman wait, who wait. No. Make it in Louisiana goes to the big city in Florida. The uh the first uh the first page that has screenshots has the header scenes from New Orleans. Oh wow. Okay. Right. Okay. There we go. We've nailed it down. Fine. Mystery solved. I'm gonna need to see the Japanese. The Louisiana. Yeah, I'm gonna need to see the Japanese. <laughs> yeah, you look up the Japanese one. We gotta Mad we gotta get City, to the as it's called in Japan. <laughs> yeah, Mad City. Do you All know right. about the bad we ending got... in the in the in the Mad City? Bad City, they call it. <laughs> so you you rescue whatever Annabelle's called in the Japanese game at the end, and she runs into your arms, and then the ending plays. But yeah. in the Japanese version only. You can run away and avoid her for a while, and if you do that for like ten seconds, there's a bad ending where she's sad that you won't embrace her, and that's the end of the game. <laughs> Good, that totally, I love it. That viciously owns. That's, that terrifies me. It's nightmarish. They, that's not the bad ending at all. <laughs> we have a very short lightning round this week. Let's hear uh, it. A true lightning round. You have three minutes to come up with the best fake name for a Castlevania game. Go. <laughs> Oh, Best God. fake name for a Castlevania game? So we need a musical uh, piece. Music and darkness, basically. Yeah. Music and, and evil. 
Mm, Music God. and Evil. The best or the worst fake name? Yeah. Stanza. Best by my judgment. Stanza of malevolence. <laughs> Tempo of torture. <laughs> Temple of torture. That's not a temple. That's Castle a tempo. 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 A tempo. Oh, tempo of Check torture. Check it out, you know. He keeps it funky. And he's good to go. Uh, that's for all you 32X fans out there. <laughs> I once pitched Koji Igarashi on the title Melody of Massacre. Oh, I remember that. Because it translates well into Japanese as well. Yeah. Minakoroshi no Melody. Yeah, that one's a good uh, one. Uh, oh my god. A symphony of... The night. <laughs> <laughs> oh god! Every Castlevania name sounds like a fanfic name. Yeah. I know. It's, yeah. it's real yeah. bad. It, it's hard to come up with one that sounds different. Can, can we just say they, they all sound bad? Aria of Sorrow sounds really stupid. Yes, it does. Yeah. That's that's like a hideously bad name for a video game. It's the best. That was the alternate title for Game of Thrones. Aria of Sorrow. <laughs> Oh, how about how about Song of Fire? <laughs> we can get further afield as well because there there are subtitles like Portrait of Ruin and yeah. uh, Dracula's Curse and whatever. So I'm sticking with the music format though. I like the music format. Okay, that's me. That's just me though. Quartet. March. Quartet's a good one. T- timpani. <laughs> March. I like March. March. Oh, yeah, the cool. Castlevania March of Madness. <laughs> <laughs> And it takes place in 1999, and uh, you're 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 like uh, you're like Michael Michael Belmont, uh, who is yeah. a, you're Julius Belmont's uh, brother, Michael Belmont, a former an NBA basketball player who was called upon to uh, stop down uh, to stop Dracula. You get you're, the you're, shoes for the double jump. You're, ni- you're you're 19 years old. You're fre- you're in college, and you're called away from uh, your. Uh, uh, your, your participation in the NCAA Final Four. Yeah, there's like uh, 20 different Nikes in the game. Mm-hmm. There's a bad- yeah, we got tales of games on this. Oh, Mar- Castle- Castlevania March of Madness. <laughs> that's it. Yeah, lightning Mar- hey. over. Yeah, that's it. Tim wins this week's insert credit. Congratulations. Oh my god, I really want a basketball theme. There's Michael Jordan Chaos in the Windy City, which was like a terrible sort of a Metroidvania, yeah. Castlevania game and it's the uh, which, one game that had michael jordan when all the basketball ones didn't which was extra insulting yeah absolute wildness man yeah march of madness i love it. oh god michael belmont because <laughs> there's supposed to be this 1999 when dracula was, is killed forever right yeah right that's by it. julius yeah by julius belmont and then that's why he's present in 2035 he comes back like i want i want to know the story that happened there you get alucard Michael Belmont and Julius Belmont. Those are your. <laughs> Who is Michael Belmont? I don't know. We're gonna find out. Oh, he's got like a basketball attached to a chain that. He... <laughs> <laughs> oh, got a chain whip with a basketball on it. Yes. Exactly. Well, and, it, and if like he a... does like an overhead swing and swings the basketball on the chain really hard into the ground, the uh, the force of the bounce actually bounces him up to jump higher. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> like resonates through the chain. Oh my god, his basket whip! It's just called. just gonna oh, say, I, I mentioned the basket whip a full two minutes ago. Uh, <laughs> so you know, don't don't take too much credit for yourselves on that one. Oh well, I'm All just right. saying the basket whip. We'll make sure whip. to insert the appropriate credit. <laughs> I'm, ex- I'm explaining that... what the basket whip is. Uh, right, well, <laughs> fair never enough, mind. Fair enough. 
<laughs> on that, I would like to tra- to transition to recommendations. Does anyone have any plugs or recommendations other than Tim's uh, Red Dead Redemption video and playing a night in the woods? Oh yeah, watch um, my Red Dead Redemption video, everybody. Zardoz is is a real weird movie you can watch. Oh yeah, wait, Zardoz is, good. is it on a, is evil? I've seen Zardoz. Yeah, I just John I, Borman. I just rewatched it for the first time since uh, being an adult. And, um, you know, it's got a lot of problematic stuff in it. That's for dang sure. But it's, uh, man, you want to watch a movie that has vibe above all other things and is really trying to do something and not really succeeding, but managing to be interesting and intriguing anyway. Zardoz is a movie for that. Just, uh, just pretend pretend it's not as problematic as it is. And, but, you know, in, in other ways, it's like Sean Connery. In in mini briefs <laughs> with a bandolier, so like I don't know, it's it's all over the place. Yeah, and uh, if you're wa- if you're enjoying Zardoz, if everybody's enjoying watching Zardoz, you can also check out a couple other John Borman films, including one of my personal favorites, Excalibur. Uh, yeah, Excalibur is, a, is is definitely an odd movie. That John Borman certainly had a, um, a perspective for a little while, and then he lost he it. Per- he was a particular fellow. Um, is John Borman still alive? I think he died a couple, couple of years, couple few years back. Um, I feel like he's still, nope, he's alive. still alive. He's alive. Googling him. Eighty-seven years old. He's still alive. Yep. Good on you, JB. Made that Deliverance as well. Yeah, Deliverance. Good film. Particular dude. Particular individual. Yeah. The, the Deliverance of video games. I got a quick weird one. Uh, I don't know if I've mentioned this on the show before, but if if you kind of miss channel surfing through garbage. Uh, at all there's a service called pluto and it's just that it's at pluto.tv and there's something like 500 channels that are broadcasting just nonsense there's a a a channel that's nothing but like ancient cartoons uh there's a channel that's nothing but videos of dogs uh there is a channel that's just unsolved mysteries on repeat Pretty good uh, if you just want to zone out to garbage. You don't know what to watch. There's game like old game show network crap on there. Does that does that have commercials and stuff in it? It does Pluto. have commercials. TV. It does have commercials. It's just like watching TV. Um, oh, man. And the commercials are all for uh, lawsuits and medications. Oh, so it's very daytime lawsuits yes. and medications. Interesting. Yeah. My recommendation is that uh, you should give us a rating or a review on your favorite podcast distributing platform. If that's iTunes or Stitcher or whatever, it really helps us with our visibility. Uh, Say something nice. Uh, One of us will probably read something about it and be cheered up by it. It's absolutely the most important thing you can do for the show. Uh, But the second most important thing you can do is give us some money, baby. Uh, You can go over to patreon.com slash insert credit, subscribe at any level. Get our episodes a day early or submit questions and ideas for future themes and uh, pay our fantastic editor, Blaine Brown. Uh, you could follow us on Twitter. The show is at insert credit. I'm at Alex Jaffe. Frank is at Frank Cifaldi. I promised to spell it this week. So it's F-R-A-N-K-C-I-F-A-L-D-I. Tim is at 108 and Brandon is at Necrosofty. You can visit forums.insertcredit.com to s- discuss the show with other listeners. I'm Alex Jaffe. I'm Frank Cifaldi. I'm Tim Rogers. And I'm Brandon Sheffield. And your game has now been saved.
Uh, Brandon's dead? No. Yeah. Well, no, Brandon is not dead. He's only dead Brandon. for you. Oh, I love right. how when he said, I'm Brandon Sheffield, I couldn't hear it. <laughs> yeah. All right. Uh, for you true doom murderheads who stuck it out all the way to the end of the show, here is the solution to my theme sale puzzle. Uh-oh. Super Punch-Out, Skies of Arcadia, Ratchet and Clank Future, A Crack in Time, Resonance of Fate, and The Elder Scrolls V Skyrim all feature voice acting by Charles Martinet. Ah! Yes, they're all non-Mario games featuring the Mario voice actor. That's wild! Yeah. I would have never known that. 